Now, back to Severe Reaction, powered by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. Here's your host, Michael Severe, on 1620 The Zone. No, absolutely not. Um, I love Nebraska. I'm going to fight, fight with the guys uh, as long as I can fight. Welcome back. Hour number two of Severe Reaction here on 1620 The Zone, brought to you by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. That was the uh, final question. I believe that was one of the Irish reporters. Uh, or a reporter in Ireland who works for maybe the Irish Times who asked that question about whether or not he would resign. Many of you old heads who've been around for a while remember Joe Jordan asking Bill Callahan if he was the athletic director, would he fire himself? Which is truly still one of the great questions in the history of uh, press conferences. Um, of course, Bill's like, what? 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 <laughs> I'm not the AD. What are you talking about? Um, anyway, so that was uh, one of the final questions. I don't think he's resigning I mean here here's the the worst part about all of this and I think it was Tom Chattel no maybe it was Sip I can't remember I think it was Sip wrote after the game this loss does a lot of things for Nebraska right starts off the 2022 season as as worse as bad as it could although they, I guess they could have got blown out so it could have been worse but starts off the season with a loss um it puts them behind the eight ball in the west right losing to a division opponent but also it automatically opens up the floodgates on, okay, who's the next coach? How long is this going to last? If they don't win a certain amount of games by October 1st, heading into that Indiana game, what happens? Right, All of those things get brought up because of the loss. They win the game, and that's not the conversation. The conversation over the next week is Nebraska bouncing back from the jet lag, Nebraska bouncing back from game one to be ready to play North Dakota. That's the the discussion instead our discussion is going to be about hey man do you have a list of coaches that would come here that would that would get hired here that Nebraska would want I mean that's like the next thing you hear right because of coming off of the game and what happened so yeah it changes everything um I played earlier or actually Chance played earlier the little bit of sound it says you know taking care of business because there were some things going into the game that I wanted to see Nebraska get better at this season and in the game yesterday. And that's the difference between Nebraska, who outscored their opponents last year overall, but went 3-9. and nine. Nebraska, who stat-wise, when you go over the basic stats, did better than their opponents in many of the different stats last year, but yet went 3-9. and nine. There were some things they needed to fix. And I had three things yesterday going in the game that they needed to fix yesterday and for the rest of the season. The first one is finishing drive rate. If you listened at all when I was on with Damon, talked about it the beginning of both seasons, we did the show together. You got to figure out a way to score touchdowns and not field goals. You got to figure out a way to score field goals and not get zero points. You got to figure out a way not to turn the ball over in the red zone. Finishing drive rate. Simply, when you cross your opponent's 40-yard line, what do you do? How many points do you get out of those opportunities? Every time you have a possession that gets to that point, what do you do? What ends up happening? Well, yesterday, essentially they scored 21 points on those situations, right? Five drives got inside the 40, and they scored 21 points. That's 4.2 points in terms of finishing drive rate. The average in the country is about five. Getting inside the 40, scoring points. 
They didn't miss any field goals. But when they get there, you've got to get as many points as possible. It's pretty obvious. First drive, one play inside the 40. It was the 32-yard touchdown. Third drive, nine plays inside the 40. Ends in a one-yard touchdown run. Fourth drive, one play inside the 40. Castaneda fumble, so you get zero on that one. Sixth drive, one play inside the 40 from that point. Then you have the first drive of the second half, five plays inside the 40 to get a touchdown. And then after that, you have zero times you get inside the 40. Matter of fact, three three and outs and two interceptions on those five drives. Zero times inside the 40, obviously zero points. That can't happen. Three out of the five times you get inside the 40, you need to get touchdowns if you're going to be a winning program. Every time you get inside the 40, you need to get points. That's field goals. That's touchdowns. you got to get points. You just have to. If you're going to win at this level, look at the best teams. One of the best things that Iowa does, Iowa doesn't out-talent people always. Iowa doesn't scheme, out-scheme people always. You know what they do? They're efficient inside their own, their, the other team's 40. They get points. Nebraska's got to figure out a way to get points inside the 40. Didn't do it yesterday. We'll look at some of the other keys that I had uh, coming into the game in the season. Let's go back to the phones. 402-951-1620. That's where Kathy is this morning. Good morning, Kathy. Hey, good morning. How are you today? I am good. How are you doing? Good. You sound very good on the radio again. Thank you. Yeah. And we love Run the Damn Kitchen. Oh, great. I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I have several comments, but I don't – I rather hear your analysis most of the time so um but my big deal is do you think trev has the guts to let him go this oh, yeah. week oh yeah no not this week no kathy i don't think he doesn't fire him until after october 1st because that's when the buyout goes down five million dollars so oh. i don't think he they want he wants to save money for the university oh that that little five million dollars yeah <laughs> little five million yeah yeah Okay. Yeah. You know what? And during the game, why wasn't Scott down there with the defense pumping them up? Because they needed something. Yeah. I don't know. One of the things I wanted to address on this show was his body language and the way he was handling himself, not even wearing a headset when the defense is on the field. Don't you want to hear what the calls are? Don't you want to know what's going on? No. Yes, exactly. There is that. But you know what? Scott has a history of being horrible in front of the media. He doesn't represent himself very well, or the university does no favors to either. By his body language, mm-hmm. by his answers, the way he answers things, it's, it's he needs a class in how to handle that stuff. And he's taking it, Kathy. That's just it. He has. He had a private speech instructor back in college to get ready for the speech he was going to make after they – beat Michigan, I mean, excuse me, after they won um, after they won in 97 in the bowl game. This is a guy who has actually gone to work on this before. He's, oh. he's done that. Well, then it's even more sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. It is. You're it's right. pitiful. Yeah. Yep. But, okay, well, I'm going to listen more to what you have to say and um, really appreciate the show. No problem. Thank you, Kathy. All right. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. Here's the quote from the contract. As for Frost buyout, it doesn't go down from $15 million to $7.5 million until after the Indiana game next year on October 1st. So that was written in um, back in December when the contract was changed. So that's, that's what you have uh, in terms of October 1st when you keep hearing that date over and over again. But body language is a huge part. There was a point where 
Scott walked over to Whipple when he was calling plays and doing his stuff, and they cut away to it. And Scott says something to Whip, and Whip kind of gives him the, uh, oh, I don't know. And then you see Scott come back and say it again, and he's getting, I don't know. I don't. You you got to let that man do his job. If if Mark Whipple's there to do that job, you got to let him do his job. You want a second guess? You got to do that after the game. You know, when you're watching film and going, how? what about this next time? What about that next time? But I don't think in the moment you can do that. You got to let the guy you brought in call plays, call plays. And there were too many times where on that sideline, Scott looked a little bit like he was jilted. You know what I mean? Like a kid standing on the corner who, who, who missed the ice cream man. You know what I'm saying? It's the ding ding man, as they say here. Whatever. Let's go to Brett. Good morning, Brett. How are you? Hey, Michael. Good. Good. Good to hear you back on the radio. I kind of miss you daily. But, Thanks, Brett. Uh, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of want to go to the, what he said in his presser. Um, it seemed like there was a little bit of immaturity coming back. And, you know, my, my read from how Albert expect, expects him to, to, to get better and more mature as a coach is, is a little bit of, of image and, and, you know, keeping the program continuous. So it kind of seemed like he threw his, some of his guys a little bit under the bus there after the game. Yeah. And, and just, you know, it's kind of disheartening. And I've got tremendous respect for, for you know, the guys that he brought in. They are, they are proven uh, tacticians on the offensive side of the ball. And, and you got to wonder what, what Trev thought about those comments and, you know, some of the, the same off-the-field things that you were just talking about were uh, rearing their head again. No, I, I agree, man. I, I agree, Brett. I appreciate it. We, could, we can actually, before you catch the phone, Chance, can you play it again in case people didn't hear it? It's the what the frost, what happened. Um, this is what they're talking about with throwing his coaches under the bus, at least the offensive coaches. Yeah, I don't know if there's a big difference, but, you know, we certainly, we certainly didn't dominate. And, um, again, I give their staff a lot of credit, too. There were some scheme things that they hit us on on offense. Um, I think we're going to have to learn as an offensive staff that uh, you got to be a little creative in this league. Um, so we, we have some things that we can work on. That we did a lot of good things, but it's got to be more of a um, a complete game. And later he says it's got to be more of a cooperation, right? We need to have more cooperation. Basically saying they need to listen to me, right? They need to listen to me while we're doing this. We need to have more of a cooperation in calling this thing, even though – that's Mark Whipple's job. And it does sound a little bit passive-aggressive when you say that kind of thing about the offense being more creative. It's not like when you were calling plays, you consistently outcalled defenses. It's not like when you were calling plays, you consistently were better than the other team. It, it's not. It, it, you can look, go back and look. Hell, look at, look at the game, the end of the season, where Logan Smothers – Against Iowa, look at look at that game. Look at look at the way the play calling happened in that game, and look what what direction the game goes in the fourth quarter. That's that was a play calling issue, I thought. Um, so by saying what he said, it certainly sounded like he was just simply throwing his offensive coaches under the bus. He was being passive aggressive, and trust me, I know about passive aggressive. Let's go to Rick. What's up, Rick? How are you? Uh, 
Uh, Michael, great to hear your voice again. Hey, Ray. hey about uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, I talked to you and Kevin on the phone, and I we, they were talking about the worst coaches ever. Yeah. And they brought out some guy that coached Kansas State back in the Neanderthal ages. And I told you, and um, I, I suggested to you and Michael that three of the worst coaches were John Blake, who really was a good recruiter at Oklahoma, and then right. the guy that coached Notre Dame, whatever his name was, the big guy who didn't do too well, and later ended up at Kansas, didn't do well there either. And then the guy out of Colorado, the little pit bull that was coaching, well, they had a fourth guy at the list. It's it's Frost, mm. and you know, great great legacy up up until now. But there's there's a, a, things that are glaring. Number one, you haven't developed a running back. Uh, the offensive line isn't very good, and obviously the defense wasn't very good. So as far as the the onside kick, you know, that's hindsight fifty fifty. If it would have worked, he'd been a hero. But they're right. not prepared mentally. I'm sure it's a a cluster, you know what, to have new guys coming in and then the phoniness about handing out nine black shirts to existing players. That locker room's got to be in total chaos when you bring in these imports that left other schools that were successful to come to this carnage that we have here. And, and the big emphasis now is not Frost. It's Trev Alberts. This is his show. And how long, you know, as far as the buyout, who knows? And hopefully they play well the next two games. His, uh, Alberts Waterloo is going to be the Oklahoma game. And hopefully they're competitive and they can finish six and six or maybe seven and five. But that's a big if. Uh, you're doing a great job. Appreciate the call. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Charlie Weiss was, I'm assuming, the one you're talking about with, with uh, Notre Dame. Um, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Bill Jennings <clears throat> at Nebraska was, I think it was fifteen thirty four and one. As of yesterday, as you know, Scott Frost fifteen and thirty. He has a chance to have the worst five year run in the history of Nebraska football, which goes back 133 seasons. 133 seasons. Think about that. Let's go to the phones. That's where Hobbs is. Morning, buddy. How you doing? You know how much I got to like you to get up and call you? <laughs> it's Okay, it's 9-16. I'm saying it's not really early. Like, it's a Sunday, man. I know. This is the day the Lord designed <laughs> me to rest. Okay, okay. And okay. here I am talking to you after another Husker opening season opening loss. I, I really must like you. <laughs> hey, at least, as I said to you yesterday on, on text, at least you didn't spend the money to go all the way over to Ireland to have to come back from that. How miserable not must even, that be for like people? Like I said, like I said, <laughs> not even if Jesus was paying for it. I, I was no. I don't want to go. I, I got tickets to the Oklahoma game. My dad's coming up here. Yeah, and we're going. Yeah, we're going to the Oklahoma game, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, bro. I might get, I might have COVID or something that weekend. I might need to stay home. This is ridiculous. Um, hey, real, real quick, let me ask you. Let me ask you this because yeah, you, obviously you've watched so much Nebraska football over the years and watched it as um, an ardent fan. When they kicked the onside kick initially, when it first happened, okay, did you think, oh, that's the worst thing I ever saw, or did you think, okay, they were trying to put them away? Yes. Yeah. What was the first thing you said? Worst call I've ever seen in my yes. life. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was. L- listen, it's it's. You know me. I play that video game a lot. That's something that I see a lot. That's that's something that you do on a video game. Mm. That's not something somebody who makes five million dollars a year does when they have no defensive tackle. Remember, that's all we heard all the off season was who's going to play defensive tackle. We have nobody. Everybody went pro or tried to go pro or transferred out. We have nobody in the interior, right? right. So now we get these. Two guys who come in, we got a walk-on who they raved about and tried to sell me who was really good. I'm sure he's a he's a decent player, but they have nobody to stop the run. Last year, um, I think they do a lot better 
at the point of attack trying to stop the run. They got punked last night. I mean, the more I think about it, the more it pisses me off. Yeah. Fitzgerald lined up and ran the ball, what, 14 straight times yeah, in something. the game? Yeah, yeah. Bro. Yep, yep. Do you remember that? That, that was 2011. It's the exact same yeah. thing to Nebraska in Nebraska where they ran the ball, I think it was 12 straight times to end the game in 2011. Another time where Nebraska, I think, was like a 13-point favorite. Listen, you, you've watched enough to know that Fitzgerald had to play action whenever he wanted in that last drive. If he wanted to score a touchdown, yep. I'm pretty positive it had been working all game. He yep. could have got it off, right? We yep. know that. Yep. He chose not to do it, man. He basically said, listen, you're such a horrible coach. I know that you can't get three points. You don't have to hear. Here's the ball to three. You don't have to go 97 yards. All you have to go is 67. Yeah. Kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. They don't have a tight end down there. I don't care about um, Vokalek being out. Those other three tight ends they have, in order to have a scholarship, yeah. they have to learn how to catch the ball, right? That's the bare minimum, right? You should, you should catch the ball. They, they, they practice catching balls behind, behind, that are thrown behind them. Yeah. Or, you know, that are t- whatever. They Bad practice balls. all that stuff, right? Right, right. Yeah. So the, tip, the ball being slightly behind and him not being – those guys not being able to catch doesn't sit well with me. Casey put the ball where it needed to be for it to be caught. Yep. And – they don't have a tight end down there. Ramirez Johnson, who did all these wonderful things, you can't get him on the field as a decoy anywhere? Right. Like, what is going on, man? He's a horrible coach. He may be a decent coordinator, but he's a horrible head coach, a horrible head coach. He had one winning season, albeit a, a, a hell of a winning season. He's had one winning season in seven years, and he's not going to have a winning season this year. Cause see, same thing. We're saying the same damn thing. He's not going to have a winning season this year either. Yeah, Hobbs, the biggest indictment, the biggest indictment was yesterday if you watch Illinois play. I know it was Wyoming, but you watch what Bielema has done in one season with his offensive line and that team, and you go, what the hell? Why Why couldn't Nebraska have gotten Bielema instead at this point when you look at him play? It's the biggest indictment for Scott Frost. He, Guys like Bielema. He, he, this guy is the worst coach in the Big Ten. I would take – I would take Shiano at Rutgers in a heartbeat. Oh, he's a good coach. He's a great coach. Yeah. Shiano's in a great heartbeat. Coach. Yeah. 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 So yeah. good luck, man. You're doing the Lord's work with this stuff because <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't wake up and come in the rail station to talk about this mess. <laughs> Hobbs, we appreciate it, man. See you, man. All right. Uh go back to the phones and we'll take a break. Uh do Joe and then we'll take a break. Hey Joe, go ahead. Oh, damn it, I hung up on Joe. Uh call back Joe. My apologies. Don Juan, real quick. We'll talk to Don and then we'll get to Rick and then we'll take a break. Go ahead, Don. There, what's up, bro? Hey, Don Juan, you were John Juan yesterday, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's how I got to sneak in there now these days, bro. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> what's up? What's going on? Nothing, man. Uh, you know, but uh, they don't know that I started doing that uh, with you first, though. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. <clears throat> I remember. I remember. Of course, bro. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, man. Um, the one thing that uh, had caught me, bro, is when he said that the momentum was on their side. Yeah. And then he onside kicked it away. I know. Man, I know. bro. Yeah. Hey, but now uh, you said the defense isn't going to give up 500 yards again this season. Is that right or no? I don't. I don't think they'll play this poorly the rest of the season. That's what I said. Okay. I think they missed. So, how many tackles did they miss, Don Juan? At least, <laughs> at least a dozen. Yeah, the yak yardage was crazy. At man. least a dozen. I don't think they'll do that again. They got zero pressure. I think they had one quarterback hurry. They had like two tackles for loss. I don't. I don't think they'll be this bad the whole season. 
Yeah, but but now the uh, adjustments, though, bro, you know, and, right. and then, like, you know, everybody's saying, you know, it just kind of seemed like the chaos kind of started with the coaching staff, went to the players, and now down to the fans, and now it's done, you know, came out where, where you had to come back and help us out, bro. So uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to thank you, man. But now w- one thing I always thought, though, yeah, with Northwestern being a uh, – you know, my favorite rivalry, right, is because they, they remind me of the old Nebraska, bro, where they're not going to beat themselves. You right. know? They, yeah. they, they're going to give themselves the best chance that they have in those uh, minutes that they have, bro. And, 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 and we used to be that, you know. And now, uh, you know, we're we trying to get creative and complex, bro, and, you know, simplistic used to be the way that, you know, we got the uh, first downs and stuff, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I – and and plus, you know, I was able to uh, uh, call us the, like the battle of the biggins, you know, because they always battling over the NU. Yeah, sure. With, with, with them, right? And right. they they make us nab, or you know. So I I just think, man, that you know they they the big NU now, and we the little NU. But uh, you know, until we get another chance to play them, man. But I uh, appreciate you. Thanks, Don. We appreciate it. Yeah, they were. It was uh, even. Uh, playing against Northwestern, uh, now they have the upper hand again. Real quick, let's go to Rick. Go ahead, Rick. What's up? Yeah, hi. Well, well to start with, hey, thanks for being on the air again. I'm really appreciating it, appreciating the show uh, and all the insight from all the callers. Fantastic. No problem. Uh, thanks, Rick. My my one my one thing I wanted to hear your input is uh, you talked about the body language and something that I jumped out at me was even at the end of the second quarter, going into halftime just before the commercials you just saw the difference between uh Fitzgerald and Frost as far as the way they were walking off the field and the interaction with the players and I just wanted to throw that out there and hear what you thought when you watched that part also hey Rick I appreciate it remember (laughs) I don't know why but Frost stretched out his hamstrings uh going out of going into the half they cut to him and he didn't talk to anybody. He wasn't. He was stretching out his hammies. I don't. That was the weirdest thing. It was like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. Let me stretch these out. That was. I don't know. It was. A, it was a weird situation the whole day and the way he handled himself body wise, body language wise. Uh, we are brought to you by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. More with severe reaction here on sixteen twenty zone.